Our sort of model is we just lead by example. This is what we do. If it speaks to you, awesome. I, I'm not like big on like being real preachy as much as I just sort of feel like it's sort of every surfer's responsibility. It is a blind spot that surfers and watermen have. Uh, it's changing. That's Adam Paskowitz sharing his perspective on the responsibility that all of us have to protect the ocean. Much more from this legend of the water today on this Ocean Life podcast with me, Josh Peterson. As a father, husband, surfer, licensed captain, and general man of the water, Adam has continued the legacy that his father, Doc Paskowitz, set forth some 30 years ago of living life on the road and the ocean, experiencing nature in all of its rawest forms. Whether crossing oceans or walking a beach, Adam and family focus strongly on plastic reduction, leading by their example of removing plastic and making good decisions in their daily life use of it, with the goal to inspire all of us to do our best to keep this pollution out of our natural world. Adam's stories today of his family at sea and on the road are fun and inspiring and tie back to his days growing up and the nomadic lifestyle that the Pasquitz family is so well known for. If you like what you hear today, take two minutes and commit to using one less piece of plastic in your daily life. Trust me, it's really not that hard. Then for more entertainment, check out the documentary Surfwise on YouTube about the Pasquitz family and their adventures growing up on the road, chasing waves, and living free. Thanks for caring about the ocean, and thanks for being here today sharing in the ocean life of Adam Paskowitz. Adam, first, man, thanks for taking time. I know you're uh, a little sleep-deprived with your new son, Solomon, coming into the world a few weeks back. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy because, uh, you know, I've, uh, the last time I did this was like eight or nine years ago. And at first, I wasn't that like convinced that I had the skills. And now I'm like, I'm back in it. The wife and I are like, so stoked. It's amazing. Dude, congrats, man. It's kind of like Thank riding you. a bike, right? Like changing diapers and all that stuff. It's like just riding a bike. It literally is like riding a bike. It's literally like riding a bike. <laughs> it's like you think you, like when the nurse handed me the baby, she was so quick about it. And it was just like, I just knew what I was doing. You know, it's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah, but I had yeah. a lot of fear about it. Like, whoa! So we're we're indoors this month, giving him a chance to acclimate, and then we'll um, we'll get back to our kind of more nomadic surroundings. It's weird being in a house. Yeah, oh, I um, bet. Yeah, man. And that's kind of how I was uh, looking. So much. Uh, you have such a rad YouTube channel and such a great Instagram. There's so much great material, so it's fun to to watch your guys' lifestyle. And the way I kind of characterize it is, you know, you're you're like a second generation semi nomadic ocean loving family. You know? Yeah. I mean, we. I I I say I've been on tour for like my whole life, and sometimes I think about it like, damn. If you if you offer that up to most people, like, what would happen if you? literally did not have a home your whole life how would you feel like it's very different different than not you know when you don't have like true roots somewhere yeah i don't know it's it's really weird i i think of myself as being relatively normal and then sometimes i think like most people would be really freaked out by that and i'm totally not like i just find <laughs> <laughs> i find my way like wherever i am i'm kind of like yeah this is good yeah, man. No, that's so cool. And and I'd love to we'll dive back and sort of hear about your roots of, of a youth and your your you know, your family, your larger family that got you today. But mm-hmm. if you would you mentioned you just had a son and so you're 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 stationary, you're at at a home. 
getting him acclimated and everything, yeah. but describe your normal lifestyle, right? You're traveling around. What's that like? What's your rig and your family situation? Give us the high level. If you so uh, pretty much we've been boaters for the last um, oh, 10 years uh, on and off. And, uh, but then we sold our boat in New Zealand. And so we've sort of for the last on and off year and a half, two years have been just four wheeling it. We, uh, we have like a off-road trailer and then we have, you know, our kayaks and stuff. And then we pull by our old Land Rover and then we've sort of been driving in and around, um, the more, uh, uh, less populated spots of North America. And that's sort of been, it's been a cool respite. It's been a cool thing. It's like very landy, you know, like being on the land is very different than being at sea. Uh, My son, Doc, always says, you know, Paul, the difference between being on land and being on sea is if you break down on land, you know, you just wait for someone to come save you. And if you break down at sea, (laughs) you just wait to die. (laughs) A little different. Yeah. And so and so that sort of gives us like way more confidence. You know, I think that we take risks now. Uh, that we probably would not take on a boat. We're like, we'll drive into areas where we know we can't get food or whatever and like extend all that. We don't, I don't really post a lot of the stuff that uh, that's um, ultimately, you know, super dangerous. Cause I get freaked out about that, that someone's going to be like, Oh man, what are you doing? Uh, but <laughs> child, child endangerment. endangerment. <laughs> but, um, but we definitely get into tight spots and, mm-hmm. um, I'm not 100% sure that social media is the place to promote being in really tight spots. Uh, and um, so our lives are probably a lot more tame <laughs> on, our, <laughs> on, our, on our. On the uh, outward appearance. Yeah, it's, sometimes we get into gnarly situations. But that, I think, is all related to the fact that, like Doc says, is, um, well, you know, when you're on land, we're very uh, confident about the fact that we'll find our way out of a situation. We were talking this morning, my wife was talking this morning about with a friend of ours, how, um, how like I was approached by a, um, a uh, Florida Panther in when we were in the Everglades and uh, how, you know, I found my way out of that in the middle of the night um, and, you know, nobody got hurt I didn't get eaten, but it was really close. Like it was for a second, it was like, holy crap. But like I was totally prepared and I felt like that's a good example. In the ocean, I think that sometimes things can get you that you can't see or, you know, no matter how good you are. But on land, it seems like you can just have your act together and be really careful about having the rules in place and you can get out of most jams. (laughs) We've been in jams, man. (laughs) Jams. Hey guys, I got to break in here real quick. We had a little uh, audio hiccup at this point in the podcast with Adam. He had transitioned over to talking about sort of some of the fun stuff they're doing inland and mountains and and fresh water. So it was about three minutes that had to chop out. So that's the context. Now we'll pick back up uh, in that conversation of talking about fresh water. I agree with you. You know, it's like, it's so fun getting the kids, even myself, like floating down a crystal clear river. That's like maybe eight or 10 feet deep with your mask and snorkel and your full gear. And just like the motion of that. And then just the ability to feel the water differently than the ocean, you know? Uh, Yeah, it's cool. There's so much to do inland and fresh water that you, you adopt 
the activities and the knowledge in the ocean, you can apply yep. it there. Like, what you like surfing um, rapids, it, it's yeah. intense. And then, you know, like as a surfer, you have such a different standard by by what is fun. <laughs> so like you'll like, totally. be with Doc, I'll be with Doc like in a, in a moving river and people will be like, Hey, get out of there. Like, you know, they'll send the fucking, <laughs> they'll send the coast guard, the, you know, the whatever rescue team. And you're like, what? This is just, <laughs> what? This is just a river, dude. <laughs> uh, and also like, especially if you get in rivers where there's a lot of fish, especially around salmon. Oh, wow. It is in unreal. So those, you know, that that's a new crossover for us. I mean, I'm not saying that we invented that, but that is a new crossover uh, sort of vibe that we have is ocean water behavior in in rivers and lakes. It's kind of yeah. kind of bitchin'. Yeah, that's badass, man. You know, so basically, once you guys are you're stationary for a little bit here, you'll get back on the road. So what are you thinking next? I mean, spend more time inland, get back to the coast, a blend of each? Uh, no, or? we're we are uh, in the process of getting a new boat, understanding oh. what it takes to get that all put together. We have a number of friends of ours uh, that are manufacturers, and um, we're trying to put together the right situation, the right boat. We're definitely going back to sea in 2020 by hook or by crook. And, um, you know, it's, I think, you know, we're just here for the month of December in January. We'll go back to our camping lifestyle. The reason why we do the camping lifestyle is because we post up at a lot of beaches and we pick up Doc and I's hobby (laughs) obsession (laughs) is we pick up um, plastic off beaches, right? Just, yeah. You know, just we just do it. And just like my dad, my dad, that's what my dad taught me how to do. So right. uh, being housebound, it just feels weird that like it's raining today in Southern California. And so I know the kind of I know the kind of stuff that's floating out yeah. in the water. Like I could just I just have a yearning to like be in like Seal Beach, Huntington, you know, all the a lot of LA County, it's just unreal the amount that's coming out. If you just catch it before, it's so, so weird. It's just right there. And so, right there. It's just like, so we pick up as much as we can. And, and, uh, it's just today that's not happening. It's just, I'm indoors and it's, it's cozy, whatever. <laughs> Changing diapers. Yeah, cozy. But uh, I was looking too, and so it looks like you guys have dedicated your year of travel to around plastic pollution, not just picking it up, but awareness. There's a lot of things you're doing. You're speaking. You're, I mean, just active, you and your family picking up plastic and everything. So, and as you mentioned, that came from something that you learned from your father, you know, years back. And so, where are you taking that? I mean, what's your kind of goal with that other than just helping to you know, reduce the plastic that we see in the ocean, which is just like it's so heartbreaking to see it. But like, do you have a longer term goal or plan that, you know, you're hoping to, to yeah. uh, work towards with all this? Well, we started uh, this year, we started the Pascoots Foundation and it's a foundation for for uh, active, the active goal of picking up as much uh, plastic as we can from from beaches and from bays everywhere. Um, not just in Southern California. We're just starting here. And we, we did it sort of in honor of my dad. Um, I feel like as a goal, our sort of m- model is we just lead by example. This is what we do. And if you if it speaks to you, awesome. I, I'm not like big on like being real preachy as much as I just sort of feel like 
it's sort of every surfer's responsibility. It is a blind spot that surfers and watermen have. Uh, it's changing. It is strange how many guys that I know that are great surfers and great watermen will just walk by. They'll just walk by plastic on the beach or, or, or their choices and their lifestyles. Certainly they're not saying anything, you know, to their fans and followers. And um, I just am like, how does, how's that possible? You know, yeah. it's it's strangely impossible that so many great surfers and so many great modern men are blind to this subject. You know, it's just weird. It's it's all of us, too. It's like it's not just them. It's me, too. I just like I, I sometimes I just forget, like I'll go to no grab a water bottle. You know, it's just weird. Like it's just so yeah. part of our the way we are. Anyway, so it's a bold choice. It's like we know like it's pretty crazy, but we're going to do our thing and we're going to try to, you know, do the best that we can with the resources that we can. And we hope people go, well, that's cool. Look what that family did. Maybe we can do something like that. Yeah, uh, that's great, man. I love the non-preachy thing. It's like, I think leading by example is key because nobody wants to like have some issue pounded on their head. You know, (laughs) you could do that. But I think by just doing and then people will pick up on it. And like that, I don't preach, but I say, hey, man, don't use straws grab, you know, bring a, a to-go cup when you go to Starbucks, little things like that. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm a fan of that. And then I also think too, like, it's interesting being a surfer myself and being in Santa Cruz my whole life and seeing now people, not, you know, my community starting to appreciate, I think the ocean, not that nobody didn't appreciate in the past, but we all kind of took it for granted yeah. that you just show up. It's uh-huh. always there. It always has something for you to do. But now we're starting to realize that, there is a lot more to it than that. And then we do need to do more than just show up and have fun and then disappear, you know, and come back tomorrow, you know? So I see. Yeah. There's a a responsibility of a resource, no matter how you slice it, there is a responsibility of having a resource that is so valuable, you know, Mm -hmm. to, to you and your family and your community. Um, one of my favorite people in the world is a lady from Santa Cruz and, uh, she she really inspired me, you know, and uh, she started with this whole thing where it was just like she just picked up straws um, yeah. it, on the beach and she just brought them all back to her local Starbucks. And she was just like 50 of these green things. And she's like, take these back. And I just was like, <laughs> wow, that is really, you know, and she really kicked off this whole straw movement. And I think I think what happens is, is that I think we are all imperfect in the way we uh, are on this planet. There's no way to be a perfect planetary person. We use resources and we're the whole world is based on uh, petroleum based stuff. And so I think that ultimately we have to accept that it's not going to be perfect. I think the role is, is that um, the role is, is that we all, if, if we're all also stewards and so, if you think about how many people go to the beach, it's a million times more than all the cleanups that are ever organized. Yeah. And I think the idea is is just to point it out. And then I think there's a tipping point where it, the attitudes will change. They're changing already. But I think that there will be a point where it's just might take a generation where it's just not done, where we just do what yeah. we're doing now. It's just we just don't do that anymore. You can think about things in society that we just simply do not do anymore. And um, 
you know, I'm, I see both sides of a lot of these issues because I'm around both sort of coasts. You know, I spend a lot of time inland with hunters and, uh, you know, self-sustainable dudes and, you know, guys that are essentially, you know, what you'd call, you know, that sort of, I don't want to say rednecks, but they're, they're Bushmen, you know, Bush, Bush sciences and, and Bush guys. And they'll say the same thing that, damn, you know, the, there are, there's a lot of pollution in the rivers and the rivers and the lakes are upstream from the ocean. And so you see that connection. I hate when we get into the political thing about the two sides of this issue, because we all live here. We all deal with this, these, the pollution that exists. And in the ocean, it's just really easy to see because there's so many of us there. Uh, And I think that ultimately I think, Trends will change. I truly believe it. And I just think people will be, we'll all just kind of be the collective police of, of the beaches. We know that this stuff keeps coming, and, but so do we. What a coincidence, the, the, right? <laughs> so if each person just becomes like, you know, it's just what we do. And uh, then I think it puts less pressure on the sort of the resources um, and then I'm hoping science and, you know, all those things take over. In the meantime, families like us, we spice adventure in with just, the, like I say, the responsibility of a resource. So like when we cross oceans and stuff and we get into little places, little islands and little, you know, the natural inhabitants in a lot of these places don't notice. Right. They just don't notice. But you can see they're living in, surrounded by, in areas, even uninhabited atolls are surrounded with floating pollution. So we pick that up. Sometimes mm-hmm. we've made the only people ever to have picked up uh, the plastic that has floated into a certain island chain. Wow. And then, then, you have, then what's so boggling to the mind is after we pick it up, what do you do with it? What do you do yeah. with 20 bags of random floating poisonous debris and so you just you keep it with you and then you take yeah. it to the next place <laughs> and then at some point right what do you do with it you, yeah you find a place where you think they'll do something appropriate with it but then until you get to that place you got to keep it on board and there's right. limited space right. i mean i, I kind of see the, the conundrum there. every square inch by the time we had <laughs> left, by the time we had left and started heading down to new zealand every square inch had some <laughs> plastic debris you know and then new zealand doesn't want your deadly poisonous <laughs> right? right plastic <laughs> pollution <laughs> So think about that, you know, that's, I, I sometimes think about that issue, like, where does it go? And uh, especially yeah, flo- floating debris, where does it go? And yeah. so a lot of my friends are just like, hey, the idea is use less. And, and then I totally get that. But I'm like out there in the open ocean. And I'll say to them all the time, like people that I know that are like plastic zealots, and they'll be like, just let it go, just take a picture. And I'm like, yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, no, you do. You just let it go. Just take a picture. Uh, I can't do that. No, there's an app yeah, where no, you can. There's an app, and you can take a picture, and then you send it to. Uh, I can't do that. You're like that's not gonna. No happen. way. It just does nothing for the yeah. people or the place. So, yeah. but I've seen some like amazing spots in the ocean, secret waves, and you know, island chains that most people don't go to and 
And uh, those are the places I think that I'm going to hit up next. The, the next yeah. will be those places. I think that is my next mission. And so we'll get a boat. We have a technology that's going to help us um, sort of mush the plastic to smaller and smaller pieces so that we can oh, carry nice. more. It's extremely expensive. It's so funny about plastic. It's such amazing, um, not to just delve into plastic, but it's such an amazing substance. It's like, you know, it's it's so great. It just, we thought it was just like totally benign. Getting rid of it is so expensive. Getting rid of plastic, recycling it, anything but just burying it and waiting for the next generation to deal with it. It's so expensive. It's like the worst and the best thing ever. So that will be next year. And we're going to try to hit a bunch of these little places that we know where it's like, oh, my God, wouldn't it be great? It's coming on a Thursday. Surf all the bitching waves. Hang out with the locals. And then just, you know, take it, you know, in a weekend, you could clean an entire bay, you know. Right. And then just. You know, and then just be like, hey, you know, look how hard it was. I think that's the message. I think the message is look how hard it was for us to clean this up. Be wise with the way you dispose of, you know, the stuff that you have, you know. Yeah, yeah, good point. And just kind of lead by example, not lead, but then show your example to the locals there who might not totally quite get it yet, you know. So talk about the boat you guys are thinking because you've spent a lot of time yourself you're a, a coast guard licensed captain yep. you guys have had sailboats you've had sort of power cruisers yeah. what do you describe high level what the boat that you're looking at putting together for your next sort of uh stint well here? probably it's a custom build even if we go with um even if we go with a manufacturer that we're used to uh, somebody that makes white boats. I think that it's probably a custom build. There are a number of people out there making really bitching custom builds that are not just sustainable practices, but also have some amazing ideas, you know, um, and we're investigating that. It comes down, it comes down to, to um, range, range and, safety mm-hmm. and safety and reliability. And so, and so you know, I always say things go bump in the night. Like, wh- what do you want to have underneath you? When things go right. bump in the night, what do you? How do you want it to go? So, imagine if you will, like, there's there are people that I know that are like, oh man, try out our boat, and I'm like, that's super cool. But then I keep thinking, like, okay, well, when things go bump in the night, is that what I want? Do I want to <laughs> not know <laughs> like some right or or is it better to have something that i truly truly have a better understanding of like the equipment i know and you know yeah. so like for example like when we were crossing the pacific we hit a whale like 1200 miles from hawaii a dead whale you know normally when you hit a whale on a boat it's catastrophic or can be catastrophic especially a, a live whale this whale was being eaten by sharks and yeah so you know when you think about that when you think about boat design and all that you always have to think about the possibilities of what is the exponentially worst thing that could happen in that situation i was glad that the boat that i had was slow but at the time before i was like god i'm only making a hundred and 45 miles a day that's like (laughs) a light 
like a fast walk jog to Hawaii. Right. You know, this is a fast jog, like a light, like a fast, like one of those Olympic walkers. Yeah. Just waddle. <laughs> Walking to Hawaii. But when, you know, so in boat design and in boat thought, we're sort of thinking all that. And actually Doc, my son Doc, we just came from the Fort Lauderdale boat show. That kid, he knows so much about hull design and about boat design. And oh, cool. um, we were just talking the other day about how amazing it is. Some of the builders in, in South Korea, in um, in in the Nether- Sweden, and all those places. Mm-hmm. So we're we're actively looking at how we can get take the smallest boat to do the biggest, you know, longest passages, and in the most eco friendly way. You know, boats run on wind and they run on diesel, but mostly they run. In, in the areas that need it the most, they run on diesel. Yeah. There's no way around it because the trades don't really blow into some of these areas. So that's your option. It's like if you sail, you know you're going to hit these routes. If you have the ability to sail and to motor, whether it's by electropropulsion, using solar energy and electromotors and a battery banks, or by mm. just really efficient um, Tier 4 diesel, Tier 3, t- Tier 4 diesel, just really sipping diesel as a, you know, really as a valuable, ultra valuable commodity. Um, then you can get to the areas, especially Western Pacific, that are really far from each other. The Northern Cook Islands and places like that where it's hard to sail to. It's just it's just yeah. not in the you know traditional areas. And if you break down in those areas, there's not a lot of traffic there. So you can end up, you know, very Gilligan's yeah. Island. <laughs> <laughs> which sounds cool but it's really not <laughs> and then and then you're gilligan's island with a brand new baby that's gonna be great <laughs> yeah man so kind of shifting from you know over to like surfing a little bit which is such a big part of the heritage of your family as you're on the road yeah. or on a boat you know space is always limited yeah and you growing up surfing and probably surfed a range of different types of boards yeah. you know, short to long and everything in between kind of what's you today what's kind of your quiver looking like um well doc rides all of timmy patterson's uh boards mm. i uh am partial to hobies and mm. i it, it, that is a really uh like what you said is really true like so on our land rover like we have a general longboard for friends or whoever wants to come out and whatever and then doc has two boards he's got to have two right Oh yeah, got it. And then, so that leaves me with like space for one board. And so, <laughs> I had a couple of I, I had J- Jerry Lopez fun board, which was like an eight foot, really amazing board, and I busted that. So then, uh, I've been fooling around with uh, uh, Gary Larson at Hobie um, uh, makes a. Uh, Bucky, Bucky, Buck disaster model that is like for me, it's like eight, eleven or something like that, and it's like it's my go-to board. It, you, it's still kind of like you can ride it, and um, on a bigger wave, and it's still like it's like a short board, long board. So I really love that. I really love, but I do wish I had the Buck disaster, you know, ten footer for when it's small, but. I only got room for one board and, uh, you know, kayaks and 
Oh. Everything else. <laughs> you, you wouldn't believe how much we weighed ourselves the other day. Um, I think we were, we were actually in Canada and we, our weight of our car was 9,200 pounds. Wow. And that's not a big car. It's, it's not a giant, like, you know, huge truck. It's a flat render. 9,200 pounds. And I was just like, what the hell? What do we have in here? It's just, we can't, we have so much stuff that we yeah. take with us because, um, I guess, you know, when I think about it, it's, it's pretty much because we're not, we're not on a trip, you know, we're just, we're just, it's just life. You know, like that's, that's the, the, the way our lives work. And, and, uh, ultimately, you know, I was kind of trained to be this way. That's what's so funny. Like, this is my training is to sort of just go and feel at home without the structure of a home. That's what my dad taught me. That's what I'm teaching doc. And, that's just the way we're built. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And what's funny too, or is when I go camping, I'm the same way, man. We have surfboards, spear guns, fishing gear. Yeah. And you don't, you know, if you're going to go camping, like the majority of people, you might have a fishing rod. Yeah. That's it. But like us, like you have this, Oh, maybe a skateboard for the kids and like this other stuff and an inflatable SUP or whatever that is. And cause that's the stuff. That's what you do, yeah. you know, but it's a cool picture on Instagram. It's, I love, I love how people organize their stuff, like Sprinter vans and your setup. I just love seeing how people have put stuff. And there's this cool picture of one of the kids, I think, shown on the back of the Land Rover with the spear gun kind of hung up in the corner, you know. And it's just like, I just love seeing how people organize all their stuff and cram it in. And you guys make it work because you have all the fun stuff that you need. Well, and that's the thing. Like, um, when we head up north, they were going north to surf at seaside oregon or something like that on the way you you will hit the perfect day to to spearfish right and yellowtail just over the top striper and you're like wow if i only had all of my diving here so if you have it with you it's like oh the ultimate and then, you know, like we'll be at uh, the national park sometimes. We'll stop there for a day or two, and, and the, uh, the stripers are insane. So you need long-range uh, beach f- fishing uh, rods, which are super long and just constantly in your way except for this one moment. And then at that moment, it's just the greatest moment. You catch big old striper using sand fleas, and then you just cut them up and cook them right there. And what could be better than that? So that sort of – every time I get annoyed by all the stuff that we take with us, I always remember, you know, just the perfect, perfect A-frame peak coming in at some of these places and to be able to just pull off the right boards at the right time. And oh, yeah. it just, right. dude, it, it just doesn't happen anymore. If you think about it, like no. if I surf in this area, which is Orange County, you know, I surf, you know, whether it's uh, Salt Creek, Doheny, San Onofre, Trestles, all those spots. Dude, it is crowded. 
Oh yeah. Malibu. I surf Malibu a lot. Crowded. Like it's yeah, not just it's crowded. Insane. It's insane. Yeah. So the yeah. experience of catching um, perfect little waves by yourself or with your kids, that is a new experience. That is not happening all the time anymore. If you, I mean, that's a pretty, it's become pretty damn rare, honestly. It's super rare. Yeah. Yeah. And like you guys are saying, you need to eject and go far north up the coast or maybe get a Baja or something, but away from the main, you know, the main (laughs) metropolises of California or, you know, to get that or like the backside of Santa Cruz Island or something. You got to get away to have that. It's funny when you get it, the waves could be like even mediocre or decent fun, but if it's uncrowded and you're by yourself with a couple of friends or your kids, it's like the best day surfing ever, ever because it's just you guys. Because you know? it reminds you of what you got into it uh, to begin with. You yeah. know, what was your, your feelings? Like it's very like um, – it's very like childlike, you know. Um, Baja is crowded. I hate to tell you, but – you go to most of the named spots in Baja. It's everyone yeah. I run into in Orange County. The same. People. <laughs> all trying to get away. Holy crap! <laughs> it is so funny. It's like I can't get away from Colin McPhillips. No matter where I go, there he is with his van. <laughs> but, but, uh, but you know, I, we. That's why we enjoy Canada a lot, even though it's freakishly cold. It, it's definitely there's definitely less people there, um, and the way to Canada. I mean, I don't want to give out my secrets, but but there's definitely. <laughs> and then outside of that, you got to get on a boat, hop on a boat, truly put your life at risk, and then the rewards are unreal. The rewards, it yeah. seems like um, nowadays you have to, if there isn't risk, that just does not appear to be the equal reward. You are not going to just roll down and have the ultimate experience at any of your favorite little waves any longer. Um, and yeah. so to get those truly back to nature moments, those back to nature experiences, you're going to have to uh, pay um, the necessary price, you know, with either treasure or with, (laughs) um, you know, with blood because (laughs) in a whole lot of time, yeah, it's just not, you know, the world has gotten smaller. I had a friend of mine that called me the other day and he was like, Hey, I really would like to surf the North shore. And I was like, dude, I mean, that's pretty heavy, you know, thought. So I called some friends of mine and I was like, Hey, this guy, friend of mine wants to surf the North shore. And they were like, dude, is he crazy? And I go, and I call him back. I'm like, dude, are you crazy? And he's like, look, I'll pay any amount of money to get two waves at sunset. (laughs) Just two. (laughs) So I was thinking, like, damn, that guy's smart. Like, that is super smart. Like, you know, take a buddy of yours who's, like, really, you know, got it going on, say, at Steamer Lane. Mm -hmm. And you're like, dude, I want to set at Steamer Lane. And you're like, well, dude, you're not going to go to the peak at Steamer's Lane and just like (laughs) grab grab one. one. (laughs) You're like, no, bro, I want you to give me a surf lesson at Steamer Lane. I'll pay you 500 bucks to take me out there. I think that more and more is becoming the experience. Yeah. Flat out. And you know as well as I do that there's a few guys that could be like, yo, my bro's going. And you'd be like, what? And then (laughs) just let him go. (laughs) just once maybe twice yeah. and that's it but yeah it'll happen but 
<laughs> but I think about it like Kelly, you know, his wave, I, I think it's like 50 bucks a wave. Right? <laughs> if you think about what yeah, it costs, like right. $50 a wave. Wow. And okay. That's about right. And I, why am I saying this? Because I've always said that the experience of getting a, a really great wave is a finite experience. It's not infinite. Your age, your abilities, the crowds, even the beaches are changing. So waves are worth fighting for. Waves are worth paying for. Waves are worth creating. Waves are worth mm -hmm. travel. It's just the fact, the reality of it. There are so many surfers and they're just so many waves. And I think like a lot of things growing up, um, people were like, oh, that's infinite. That's just infinite. That's an infinite amount. Well, is there? Because right. that may have been true when my dad started out. You know, my dad started out, there were like seven guys that surfed, period, in the entire western right. seaboard. And then there was like a few guys in Hawaii. So that meant like you could roll on Malibu and there was not a person in the water for days yeah, and weeks and months, years, no one. Now, I've seen waves in the South Pacific that break as good as any waves on Earth. Day after day after day after day, not a soul riding them. Yeah. So that is a reality. You know, that's actually true. It's like, oh, wow, that was true. That is no longer true and can only be true if you invest the treasure or the travel and accept the fact that waves are now rare. Bottom yeah, line is yeah. waves are rare. Now, does that yeah. mean that there's not a lot of waves breaking every day? No. But for you, and I don't care who <laughs> you is, I don't care who it is, you could be anyone, you know? Yeah. Waves are rare now. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so that's a deep part of it. So then that's the deep part of our travels is that waves and fishing and all those things that were so abundant are rare. So right. for us, we travel far. And then I think there's that big responsibility of like, whoa, let's, um, you know, like Jacques Cousteau said, if you live an extraordinary life, you have no reason, uh, you, you should not keep it to yourself. So then I think the promotion of extraordinary travel is important, not just for the personal adventure, but I think ultimately it will lead to people that are more aware and have less a blind spot about the way we treat um, plastic. I don't pick up garbage. Yeah. I don't care about garbage. I don't care about paper and wood yeah. or somebody throws an apple or <laughs> even even cardboard and all that. It The world knows how to get rid of that. It's worked billions of years to, to know how to get rid of all those things. But plastic, the world doesn't know how to destroy it. So yeah. – technology made plastic and technology is going to have to get rid of plastic. Yeah. Yeah. And that's true. a bottom line and it's expensive. And that's why, you know, we started the foundation to sort of help us, you know, we've invested all of our family treasure into, uh, um, this next voyage and some of the technology that will help us carry as much plastic as humanly possible. Um, and, uh, that's a big task. I know that it's bold, but we are well trained for it. You know, my dad raised us in a weird way, and um, 
you know, and I think that that whole experience has sort of prepared us for this, you know, like living in a house, that's hard, but, (laughs) but like, but, but, you know, we can check in just privately, uh, you know, four weeks from now and you'll see me in a totally different environment. You're like, what the hell? You know, (laughs) but I do feel that, um, I do feel, like I said, like the, the, the ultimate goal is that the tide changes and that the, the people that are so in love with travel also find themselves uh, somewhat responsible for the resource that is the natural world. And I, 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 I am, uh, you know, obviously I've seen the effects of the, the change in um, areas of climate around the South Pacific. I've seen that with my own eyes. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I, I, I don't debate what I've seen, uh, we can debate why, but I have certainly seen what uh, people talk about. Um, I'm more concerned, even more concerned with the amount of floating um, polluted debris that's in the water. It's unbelievable. And governments around the world are starting to notice and be like, whoa, I think it stems from the fact that a lot of the places in Asia where um, they use rivers and lakes in the ocean as a way to throw away their, their garbage. Right. And, uh, and there's actually nothing wrong in that. I mean, that's, they've been doing that for hundreds and hundreds of years. The advent of a, of a water barrier, which is just plastic, it floats. It doesn't break down. And so now, and everything's made of it. So places where, you know, where they dump their trash in the river now, it's a, there's, a, there's a million plastic bottles in it. Hundreds yeah. of millions, billions, billions and billions. And, and, uh, and it's, I think first is that people recognize it. And then I think the solutions are far. I'm very, I'm very um, optimistic. I look at the future as an optimistic mm-hmm. thing. And I think that's because we travel so much. Yeah, I think that travel gives you that sense of optimism. And I do think that ultimately human beings will turn it around. I do not believe that the world is going to end because the, because we, we don't, you know, we're good people. And at heart, I think that the majority of people care. I just think that yeah. in general, like there's a blind spot. People just like, Oh, what, you know? We, we've had that blind spot for a long time on a myriad of issues. And I think that um, travel is getting more and more people into noticing like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, it's it's uh, I think 2020 is going to be a good year for us. I think 2020 is going to be a good year, period. That's good, man. So when you say optimistic and that's based on a lot of the things you see when you travel is optimism based on because you've been to places that are. I mean, call them pristine, call them untouched, or less polluted. You see enough of those areas where you still feel like there's a lot of night and like good pristine areas left in the world, or is it the people in these various areas that you go visit that are active and aware and doing something about it, or maybe both? I think that there are. I know this is going to suck when I say this. I don't <laughs> think there are any pristine areas left. I haven't seen it. I have never been to an area where I did not see i mean maybe a varied few because of specific weather patterns what what makes me a believer is that the outliers 
of this issue have shown that it can be managed. So I've seen um, in New Zealand extreme um, examples of uh, responsibility of nature. And Mm. I'm not talking about um, responsibility of nature connected to politics. Leaving politics aside, the responsibility of nature for all the people, both conservative and liberal, um, New Zealand has shown that you can do that. Some of the choices are hard and some of the choices are just common sense. And I've seen um, just the general vibe of people who were completely blind to this issue wake up and be like, oh, man, yeah. And I think that I don't think it takes I don't think it takes all the population to um, evoke a certain amount of just general change direction. I think I think it's 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 not that many people like you don't need 100 percent of the people to be like, you know, environmental warriors it's really just like okay let's take a look at how we're throwing this stuff away where it's getting in and what we can do to Mm -hmm. reduce the amount of just the stuff that is really really harmful to the environment and then to to sort of to sort of show that model to countries that really are totally blind i mean because really when it comes down to it so much of the stuff that I see in the water in the Western Pacific and in in uh, the Pacific did not come from the United States. And right. so that's, I think, ultimately the bigger goal. Um, but again, like uh, folks in those countries are infinitely resourceful. Like when they turn yeah. it around, like they turn it around. Like if you look at some of these these countries that have gone from really just like farm – countries to like creating the biggest economies in the world you know that's what happens when you grow that quickly and so i think that ultimately um if it comes down to where everybody sort of goes wow you know we're not doing that anymore then people vote with their pocketbooks and that will change but it takes it it takes everyone staying on the gas it takes you know um, everyone focusing ultimately on it a little bit, having that tiny bit of responsibility. And I, I do think that, um, I think that we're all guilty, you know, like we're all <laughs> yeah, guilty. It's, true. it's, you get this, you get this funny thing. What happens is it's like, you take someone like, like Greta from Sweden, you know, she has this yeah. message that is a galvanizing message for so many people. And then there are other people who, who, you know, just point out that, well, it may be hypocritical of her to sail across the ocean when it took three people to sail, fly back and all these things. And I think that's missing the point. The greater point is, what should happen is is that Greta should speak her voice and then people should take a look at themselves and go, oh, what am I doing that is really just over the top? What are we doing yeah. that is over the top just in my personal behavior that I can reduce? You know, and, and I think in small companies, in big companies, in families, small families, big families, 
you know, the plastic water bottle can be reduced infinitely, right? Yeah, that's easy wins there. Yeah, and I think not. I, I think everyone is criticizable. Greta and and um, you know everyone is guilty. I mean, there's no way we've built our entire world around this um, around this material, um, and yeah. it's and yeah. it's a great material. I'm I I, I mean, what are you going to do? Stop putting oil in, you know, it, it's just not going to happen. And I think the, the realistic thing is, is to just to uh, protect and lead by example. I, mm-hmm. In your area, you know, Jackie Nunez started this whole straw discussion. And people say to her all the time, it's just straws. What do you and, – and, and it's not straws. It's the opening conversation of, dude, do you really need to have a cup? And you can't, right. you know. And those are the things that are are changing. So that's why yeah. I'm optimistic, because of people like Jackie Nunez, because of people like the Plastic Pollution Coalition, because of Oceana, because of people that are just shaking the trees now, because of Greta, you know. Yeah. People hate her or love her, but at least we're having the conversation. It's not about the straw. It's about the conversation. What other things can we um, just delete from the, our need, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, as you mentioned, the lead by example is key. And when you you overlay that with social media, example, like my kids, I have a 17-year-old or 14-year-old. They're on Instagram checking stuff out. And we were, I was scanning your Instagram last night. They're like, hey, what's this? And there's a picture of you with your son, Doc, doing something cool, like shooting a fish or you're hauling a fish. It's like, but just in the comments, you just mentioned a little something, again, not being preachy, but just like, hey, pick up some plastic or just a little bit of message. That starts to resonate. So the kids, even though they're looking for, you know, some guy throwing a huge air on a wave or whatever that might be when we're able to layer in just that sort of subtle message about, you know, picking up some trash, pollution, plastics, it seeps in. The kids are resonant. Yeah. They're not going to go for like, you know, plastic pollution, you know, um, advocacy, Instagram pages. They're not going to do that. But when like stuff you're doing and others, it's a lead by example with a little sprinkle of that in the kids pick up on it, you know? Yeah. And I think that is the truly, um, changing part i think that's the part that actually changes the way the world works i know yeah. a lot of kids that are in that 17 and under 18 and under that just will never use a plastic water bottle they'll never use a straw they're just different they just have been yeah. raised you know we just they just don't do that and i think that that's the goal you know you get enough people in that mode and then you know Places in Asia start to go, well, if they're not buying it, you yeah. know, and I mean, I love, uh, I love the enjoyment of, of the, of the modern world and all the things that that brings. I am not trying to live a life that is free, totally free of everything that, you know, can damage you know the earth or the the world we are da- we're da- we damage it that's you know yeah, it's there's yeah. no way i mean uh, you know everyone says paper oh use paper but uh, have you ever seen a a a, a, a paper mill a, a pulp yeah. it's like oh the you know have you ever seen the the way they make these 
these uh, lithium ion whatever batteries it's whoa I think the idea is to just do the least harm. Nobody's perfect. There is nobody. I don't care if you're composting your own poop. There is nobody that is perfect. We are uh, beings of this planet. I don't think the idea is to criticize Greta for the things that make her, in your mind, hypocritical. I think the idea is to to sort of say, what can we do? It doesn't have to be so extreme, but if you find yourself and you look at your green bin and you've got just full of items that could be replaced by just glass, you know, or, yeah. you know, it's just ridiculous. It's just kind of an old fashioned kind of, you know, 1940s, 50s, uh, 30s, 40s, 50s, where it's like, oh, I have a jar and then I use that jar. Yeah. And that's just kind of cool. I mean, it's just, totally. you don't even notice. It's like, oh, that's when people come over to, to, to eat with us, you know, in our little rig or whatever, they're always amazed. It's like, damn, dude. It's like, how do you think of that? It's like, oh, we just, <laughs> you know, we just reuse that deal. It's like, wow. And that's the one funny thing about plastic is, is it's not reusable. Yeah. It's like generally unreusable. And I pretty much that's like yeah. wild because uh, we don't reuse plastic water bottle. I like, you know, if we end up with a, a plastic water bottle for some reason or plastic water or whatever, it's like I used to just kind of reuse them. And now I'm like, God, that's just it just gives you an idea what a pollutant it is. Yeah. Right. Like I really don't recommend that you reuse them like like you, so. If you hump it into certain places, like you got to bring your own water, obviously, you know that deal. And then, yeah. and then, you know, it's, you stop somewhere and you, you know, you blew it somehow and you end up with like those one gallon water jugs. You know, you can't really reuse them, especially the water sitting in the sun. Yeah. Yeah. But you could, down. you could take a gas can, bro. I've done it. Yeah. A gas can. <laughs> yeah. A gas can and just wash it out a little bit and fill it with water. You're golden. That's reusable, yeah. yeah. And so, so that I think is the is the difference. It's not just like knocking people for their being alive, because people get frustrated, yeah. just like, oh, wait a minute, you you want me to to you know ride a horse or something? It, yeah. It's not that. It's just like you know, be be wise to the responsibility of the resource that's there. That's it, man. Yeah, man. And then yeah. more people do yeah. that, then suddenly it's just. It's just not cool to be wasteful. Uh, yeah. You know, that's the bottom line. The bottom line is this is not cool to be that's wasteful. Right. So that's yeah, why, yeah. you know, that's why we have the nonprofit to say, okay, we're going to stoke you and lead by example. And this is some of the things that we do. And if you yeah. feel the same way and you want to do this too, then more power to you. And along yeah. the way for us, it's not for everybody, we're going to try to pick up as much pollution plastic pollution that we can as a family yeah. that's it yeah. yeah love it love it man i think it's a model that everybody who hears this and everybody who is even breathing the air of the earth can can follow you know and uh so i appreciate you guys you're putting your energy as a family yep. your immediate family your larger family creating the foundation leveraging this rich heritage that your father started years ago and parlaying that and growing it into something great today man and so in 2020 uh, good luck on the boat. And uh, <laughs> I'll put in the show notes links to YouTube channel, you. your Instagram, 
Um, definitely, uh, and for folks listening who want to dive more into Adam's past as a kid and his family growing up, Surfwise is a rad documentary. Oh, yeah. Watch a bunch of don't just we, that's another probably five hour episode we could just don't watch it with your parents or anybody because it's, <laughs> it's really dirty it's dirty anyway oh, thank you man, so much it's awesome man. um but yeah good luck with everything man and uh again thank you for no for, problem i know you're tired you got uh solomon the young guy you're <laughs> what a week two weeks old three weeks, three old, weeks now? old two weeks oh old. man awesome and i'll, awesome, I'll check man. back in with you like in uh four weeks and We'll see the difference. <laughs> awesome. I love that, man. All right, cool. Man. Adam, thank you thank so much, you. buddy. And uh, good luck with everything. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. Bye. Cheers. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening uh, to another podcast episode. Can't do it without you. And uh, so thrilled to have you here supporting uh, myself and the podcast and all the guests uh, continually. Always appreciate a positive um, rating on your podcast. Uh, your podcast app, whether it be you know Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, you name it, just helps helps grow the podcast and uh, spread awareness. So thanks for that. And then any uh, social media mentions, always super appreciative. And uh, if you know somebody who you think would be great to have on the podcast to share about their ocean life, please hit me up. I'd love to chat with them. Or if you think you'd like to, let me know. Uh, email is josh at thisoceanlife.tv. All right. Thanks, guys.